What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. She packed my bags last night. Pre-flight. Zero hour. 9 a.m. And I'm going to be high as a kite by then. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. Yes, you are. I'm not William Shatner. Nope, nope, nope. This is uh, episode 100. I lost my show notes. We're at episode 158, where we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode zero hour. Hi, Brent. Hi. Did I did I did I did I spook you there for a second? It oh, is spooky I season. Would probably say I wasn't quite expecting that, but you know I, <laughs> I'm I'm good with rolling with the punches, so I rolled. You you sure did, you probably you were just sitting there like oh oh boy oh boy. Well, those of you who uh, were on the Twitter and those of you who know what that was, no, you know, come on, we're all we're we are all on the same page. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google William Shatner Rocket Man and have a great time. It'll be great. You'll you'll love it. It'll be fun. So, friends, we'll be talking not about uh, Elton John's uh, smash hit Rocket Man, but instead we're going to be talking about uh, Zero Hour, which is why I decided to pull that out of there. And, uh, you know, hey, only on independent podcasts can you have zany action like, no, that's not true, but whatever, we're independent. And while we said a while ago that uh, we're probably going to be pulling the shades closed on Patreon, which we are, we're still kind of figuring out the stuff we have. Again, like I said, we got some good ideas. This past week has been a bit of a doozy for me, so I haven't had time to really do some investigation of the things and the stuff, but uh, you will have an opportunity to continue to support us. Absolutely. We still have some Patreon first stuff in there, though. Um, So if you are a Patreon listener and you haven't taken a listen to the stuff, then you should listen to the stuff. But hey, let's be real. We'd like putting all of the stuff that we create on the main feed so you can listen to it there, too. Don't worry about it. Where can you find us? Well, you have found us. And if you want to share the good word about where to find us, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio. That's it for now. And on podcast aggregators, which is the correct way to do it. (laughs) So, you know, you really should just stop it with this other stuff and just, you know, don't ask, don't ask your little dots and your dashes to play things. Don't no, Don't do that. Don't uh, you just, you just, you just go independently and you be your own person and you say to the big corporations, try to take a guess at what I listen to. Good luck. Bye. Um, but that's just, that's just like my opinion, man. So Zach. <clears throat> yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know that that's just my opinion, man, uh, how might they reach out and uh, and let me know that? So if you have figured out what Brent's opinion should be, mm-hmm. whatever that <laughs> is, uh, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com and mm-hmm. let us know what that is. Um, Brent may or may not actually change his opinions to match what you believe it should be, uh, but both of us are uh, reasonably adult adults and are pretty good at listening to other people who think differently than us. And so yes. you can do that and we can have a conversation as far as it needs to go. Yes. So 
Email us at walkingthroughstargate at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter where you can talk to Brent and presumably get your inside jokes about Rocketman because I am not on Twitter. I don't have any idea what he's <laughs> talking about. <laughs> it's funny. Or you could go to the Facebook page and the Facebook group and you can see all sorts of fun pictures that our people uh, are posting there and doing, you know, jokes and memes and, and silliness. And that's where you can go and type in your, your predictions of our ratings and all of that stuff. Of course, you can also email those to us as well. Uh, you can yep. go to our website, WTTS.space. Space! And there you can get some information about who we are, and you can get the Discord link there, and the link will take you to the Discord, because that's what the Discord link does. That's right. And then, once you're on the Discord, you can say hello to us. Uh, There was somebody who popped in and thought the Discord was only for Patreons. Nope! Anybody is welcome to join us on the the, the Discords, uh, and you can can be there. There isn't even a special channel only for the Patreons. Nope! It's free for everybody. Everybody's involved everybody can be there join us and have fun conversation that's where you're going to get the most interaction on social media from either brent or myself by Uh, a long shot yes yes um and so that's what i have to say about that uh we do have some second chances episodes that we are uh going to record in the relatively near future we've got some of those things penciled in we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks and uh, we'll go from there. Yes. Apparently, I say tough. we'll go from there in this podcast a lot. Do you? Uh, apparently. Well, uh, you say there you have it a lot. Oh, maybe it's there you have it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I say there words you in this it. podcast a lot. There's another podcast that I listened to where the guys used to say whatnot a lot. And so that then became kind of a, of, of a phrase that I, th- I, I don't know if it ever made it to a t-shirt, but it, I think it might have. Uh, well, I like whatnot. Whatnot yeah, is good, kind but, of a fun you know. word. Or is it two words? Uh, it's used as one, I believe. Well, it is used as one, but it's is written as one. Uh, that's what I meant to say. Yes, written uh, as one. Okay, well, there you go. Anyway. Well, there you have it. There I have it. <laughs> Shall we continue, Brent? Yes. Okay. Let's carry on. All right. So we are talking about Zero Hour this week. The yep. director for Zero Hour is Peter West. This is his first mm-hmm. of two directing credits this season in SG-1. Oh, all right. Uh, the yep. teleplay is by Robert Cooper. Uh, this yep. is his second of five writing credits this season. Yep. Very good. Um, we have a few guest actors. Uh, we have Cliff Simon returning as Ball. We have mm-hmm. Bill Dow as Dr. Bill Lee. We've got Eric mm-hmm. Brecker as Colonel Reynolds. We have mm-hmm. Steve Basic as Camulus. Mm-hmm. Gary Jones as Walter Radar Harriman. Yes. Colin Cunningham as Major Paul Davis. Dan Shea as Sergeant Siler. And we mm-hmm. are introducing David Kaufman this week as Mark Gilmore. Mm-hmm. He's uh, yep. the administrative uh, uh, aide. Yep, uh, he was born right. in 1961 in St. Louis, Missouri. That's in the United States, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> uh, he is mainly known for his voice acting, uh, roles such as Danny Phantom, Jimmy Olsen from Superman the Animated Series, hmm. Dexter Douglas from Freakazoid, etc., mm-hmm, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also served as a voice double for Michael J. Fox. Oh, uh, he voiced Marty McFly in Back to the Future's uh, a cart- animated series in 1991, mm-hmm. and he also voiced Stuart Little from the uh, 
Stuart Little uh, television franchise stuff that happened gotcha. after the movies. Yeah. So, uh, other shows that he's been in are Goldie and Bear, which is a relatively new one from 15 to 18. Uh, mm-hmm. The Legend of Korra, uh, that's an animated series about the Avatar, mm-hmm. and much, much more. Uh, yeah, nice. Other work includes numerous guest appearances in shows like Animaniacs, Rocket Power, ER, Wings, and such. There you go. Nice. His first IMDb credit came in 1982. Okay. Uh, when he played boy number three in the episode Julie's First Love of the TV series Gimme a Break. Uh-huh. I have no idea about any of this stuff. I give me a break, like rings a bell as like something that existed, but that <laughs> as far as it goes, I have no idea. Um, we do have a couple of folks who did speak. We've got Michael Ryan who plays John Pryor. He's one of the guys at the beginning of the episode. Uh, Josiah James plays the Amran and Delegate Number One, and yeah, James right. Ashcroft plays Amran Delegate Two. Yeah, they yeah so. Yep. They they really they really they really weren't a big part of this episode, were they? No, no. They no. in in earlier iterations of this story, uh, they had more going on with the Amrans. Yeah. Um, but uh, it did not actually become part of the main story because it's not part of the main story. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So the original air date for uh, Zero Hour was July thirtieth, two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one on the charts uh, in the U.S. was still Confessions Part Two by Usher. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he was still, still confessing things. Yep. And That's apparently right. he was confessing things to streets in the U.K. and okay. they were crying, and so they were singing about drying your eyes. Okay. 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 You know? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, where was all of this happening? Where were these confessions and this crying all happening in the village? Uh-huh. Right uh-huh. in the village, there's lots there. of crazy things happening in the village. And what do you need? You need a superhero that is not a superhero. So you gain born, and the born supremacy comes in and okay. fixes everything. Uh huh. And who uh-huh. are they chasing? Okay. They are actually chasing the Manchurian candidate. Oh. Okay. And they find uh-huh. out that the Manchurian candidate is actually I Robot. Uh, in a manner, yes. Uh, and when you have sci-fi elements like robots, you need yeah. super superheroes, and so you call Spider-Man two. Y- you call him two? You're two. No, you you, you call Spider-Man as well. I got a feeling that I just made your brother of like singular, like the only like. I just had a vision in my mind of Tim just laughing at that, and now he's probably laughing even harder because I, I was probably right. Well, you know that's fair. That's a joke. That is a joke. Exactly a joke that he would make. That's true. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Uh, I can move and on. There you have it. There you have it. <laughs> All right. So what happened on this date? Uh, on July 28, a couple days before this episode aired, Francis Crick, the English molecular biologist who co-discovered DNA's structure, along with James Watson, uh, dies of colon cancer at the age of 88. Mm-hmm. So 
Uh, congratulations to Crick and Watson, who got a Nobel Prize for Physiology and Medicine uh, for discovering how DNA is structured, because that's a big deal for us. That's a big deal. Uh, on July 30th, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, starring Kyle, Cal Penn and John Cho is released. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's been a while since I felt old, but that one, that one's making me feel. You know, honestly, I have never seen Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. It's funny. It's it's definitely a stoner film, but it's def- it's all but it is it is funny. Yeah. Uh and also on July 30th, actor Nicolas Cage gets married to Alice Kim at a private ranch in Northern California. Okay. So that's Congratulations, all I got. Nick Cage. Okay. Sure. Yep. Okay. I have some trivia for this yes. episode. This episode marks the first time that Sergeant Walter Harriman is yes. actually named yes. Harriman. Yes. Yes. Right? Believe you me, I noticed that. I mean, up until this point, he's been uh, Walter Norman Davis Radar. Uh, yes. And now he is just <laughs> Walter Radar Harriman. Yes. So congratulations to Gary Jones slash Walter Harriman for actually getting a name. There we go. It only took uh, it only took seven and seven seasons and a bit. Seven seasons and a bit. That sounds like a TV show. Seven seasons and a bit. <laughs> Maybe not a good show. <laughs> well, they just got one bit, you see, and they've been playing uh, it for seven seasons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you have one bit and you've managed to last make that last seven seasons, you're doing something right. It's a pretty good bit. That's right. All right. Uh, now, s- many of the plants in this shot were uh, fake, but uh, some of them were actually uh, had to be real, especially when they were using the fire to blast them. That had to yeah. be real plants uh, because if you used like plastic plants that would, yeah, you know, they'd, they'd melt. melt and they'd be bad. Um, they promised in the, the, the uh, commentary that no plants were seriously harmed in the making of this television show. <laughs> They could, yeah, okay. No um, plants died. Now some of their leaves okay. probably got a little bit crispy, but they didn't yeah. die. Yeah. Um. And now most of them were actually just common uh, house plants. Uh, sure. For it, but uh, you know, there it is. Uh, at the very end of the episode, uh, we have the technician who is sitting there with uh, O'Neill as they're bringing in SG One and all of that stuff, right? Yeah, That was played by Pierre Bernard Jr., who is a graphic artist who worked on the late night show with Conan O'Brien. Oh, okay. Uh, and he is a self-professed angry nerd, and he loves Stargate. He was a huge uh-huh. SG-1 fan, and he was super excited that he was able to be on the show uh, about this time, and along this time, somebody, I don't remember who off the top of my head, uh, went to the late show with, uh, the late night show with Conan O'Brien, and they had a bit, and they talked Stargate and all of that stuff, but, That's you know, fun. so, uh, yeah. of course, Stargate is, uh, was on Sci-Fi at this point in time, and Sci-Fi is owned by NBC, and NBC is where the late night show is, yes. so, yeah, cross-promotion, yep. Yep, uh, Let's see here. Uh, Dr. Lee in this episode uh, talks about the out-of-control plant and says, well, at least it hasn't eaten anyone yet. Yeah. And then, of course, O'Neill says, thank you, Seymour, which is, of course, a reference to the musical movie uh, called Little Shop of Horrors. 
Yep. Um, which uh, the, the movie was in 1960. Uh, I was actually in Little Shop of Horrors a couple years back. Uh, I played Mr. Mushnick in that. Yes. I got eaten by the plant. Mm, no! no! Uh, the, the movie was not 1960. It was... It oh, was, no. Because it had... It had um, Steve Martin and... Okay, um, no. The, the, okay, so there's clearly a, an error in where I was cut. I think... Yeah, the movie... 70, the the, the uh, Like 72 or 3? Might have been early 80. Now, I'd have to look it up. Oh, boy. Okay, you keep reading. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, and if you don't know anything about Audrey 2 and uh, Little Shop of Horrors, it's a great show. Uh, well sure worth is. watching. Uh, the play musical version... Uh, is actually grimmer and darker oh, than the uh, the uh, movie. <laughs> I was way off, Zach. Was it eighty? I was way off. So it is. It, it is much later than seventy two. Do you want to take a guess as to what it is? Um, much later. Than I'm 72. thinking it would have been eighty four. You are very close. It was eighty six. I can't believe I was. Eight. I think it was because um, the dentist's hair wasn't. Wasn't it like a slick black? Well, yeah, so so he's, you know... Um, so I think I just got thrown off. Yeah. I think that's all that was. Yeah. Um, I I think 60 is probably... Uh, I would guess that 60 is when the the libretto was published. Because it, right. it, it was a stage thing first. And then yeah. they turned it into a movie. And yeah. it's been back on stage. Yes. Gotcha. So that's probably what that is. There you have it. There you have it. Uh, so at the beginning of this episode, O'Neill enters his office to find Mark Gilmore waiting for him, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he starts to call out for Master Sergeant Walter Harriman, but Harriman is already there and is talking to him, and, uh, you know, it's like, are you sure? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. All those things, yeah. right? So this is, uh, according to the internets out there, likely a nod to the MASH episodes where yeah. uh, Walter Eugene Radar O'Reilly consistently yes. appears before his colonel before he's called doing the same type of thing. Yes, yes, I, I, yes, yes. I was getting strong Radar vibes from that yep. scene. Uh, and there was a deleted scene in this episode with Allison Down, who was going to reprise her role of Dr. Brightman, uh-huh. uh, which we yeah. met in the last episode of SG-1. Yep. Uh, but that season was cut for time, and so we don't have it. Boo. Yep. Uh, the title for this episode uh, in other languages is not terribly uh, unusual. Uh, the French call it Zero Hour. The Italians, the Spanish, uh, the Hungarians all call it Zero Hour. The Czech call it the H Hour. Which okay. uh, is probably means the same. Basically, thing. means the same thing. And even the Germans just call it proving hour, yeah. which is far more knock bonk bonk on the head than the others, but still not too bad. True. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Um. So, by the way, uh, listener Jacob sent—I believe he's from Germany—sent us an email earlier this week uh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I need to. Um, uh, redact for you because there are some oh, things okay. that that need to be redacted. But he uh, in German apparently each season of SG One has a subtitle, Whoa. and those are each kind of season. fun to listen to. Um, huh. He also mentioned that if you are paying attention to the titles of the episodes of uh, the the German titles of the episodes, uh, you remember way back when Apophis was a thing. Right, and then he died, yeah. and then he comes back, and then he dies, and he comes back, and that happens several times. 
Yes. Well, all of that is spoiled completely if you listen to the titles because, like, it's Apophis Returns. I'm like, oh, yes. I guess he's 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 back there. So yes, there you have it. Yep. Um. Okay, that's what I have for trivia. <laughs> yeah. Are you doing this on purpose now? I I wouldn't admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to, um, but I am more aware of it happening. So as it's, as it's just, as you say to yourself, like, you know, as your brain goes, all right, and now the phrase to use is there you have it. Then the other part of your brain goes, yeah, ha ha ha, let's do it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) They'll love that. (laughs) Welcome to the inside of my skull. Oh boy. Hmm. I was about to make a roomy joke. (laughs) (laughs) And you wouldn't be wrong. No, that's not true at all. Although I did hear a great line. Oh, man. Something like um, (laughs) they got one brain cell in there and it's fighting furiously for second place. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I heard um, I think I had like a middle school science teacher that said, yeah, I only have two brain cells and they haven't met yet. (laughs) okay so speaking of brain cells let's shift gears to the synopsis okay (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah let's dig let's dig into this thing all right so previously on stargate sg1 i am ball as in bocce (laughs) we have a zero point module what's a zero point module Colonel O'Neill, you are now Brigadier General. Congratulations. Oh, and Major Samantha Carter, you are now a Lieutenant Colonel. Everyone gets a promotion. You get a promotion. You get a promotion. And you get a promotion. (laughs) Daniel, you don't get a promotion because you're not in the military. No, he's just a doctor. No. And now, General O'Neill arrives at Stargate Command in the morning and is greeted by Master Sergeant Walter Radar Harriman. That's the one. Here's your schedule, sir. Lots of things on it, including, uh, yes, that, uh, and that, yes, and and bunting. Don't forget the bunting. We need you to select the bunting. Stepping into his office, the general is greeted by none other than Mark Gilmore. Who is Mil- Mark Gilmore, you ask? Well, he's the general's new administrative aide, and he's here to help keep the general organized. Walter, do I really? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. After their introduction... Walter escorts Mark to his own office and thanks him profusely for being here. Mark makes a phone call. He's in position, and no one suspects a thing. Dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! O'Neill continues with his day. Go with the red, white, and blue bunting for the President Hayes' visit on the, to the base. Oh, hi, General George. How are you? I know, I try to say George, but General just pops out of my mouth. Uh, Later on, O'Neill meets with SG-1, and they want to go to some planet and check out some laboratory of Anubis. Maybe there's some cool stuff there. Who knows? But if they don't go check, they won't know. O'Neill says they can leave in the morning because there's a whole bunch of people already off the base right now, and you don't want to have too many people off the base. And besides, if you wait till tomorrow, then SG-1 can go there and back you up. Carter is disappointed that they have to wait. She just wants to go. She's feeling a little like maybe the new general doesn't fully trust her command abilities. After that, O'Neill makes his way to the next thing on his agenda. This is a meeting with Dr. Bill Lee. Dr. Lee has an alien plant that grows really, really fast. Isn't that cool? Isn't it? It, it, it's, it, it was a seed two hours ago. Uh, 
O'Neill is unimpressed. I, I, what do you have to do to impress the general here? Come on! It's a plant. And now, on to the next thing on the agenda. Ambassadors from Emron are bickering. And in not unexpected O'Neill style, he decides to lock them, two ambassadors, into a single guest room and refuses to let them out until they've worked out their differences. Bold if, strategy. If if diplomacy worked like that, that would be awesome. <laughs> maybe it works like that for uh, who they are? Amarans. Maybe, maybe it works for the Amarans. Okay. And with trying to balance all of this, O'Neill finally sits down at his desk and begins writing a letter to General Hammond. The next morning, O'Neill is greeted by Mr. Gilmore. Here's your agenda for the day. First up, sending SG-1 off to that one planet with SG-3 backing them up. So they go. On the planet, Carter insists that SG-3 guard the gate while SG-1 goes on their recon mission. Carter, Teal, and Daniel wander off looking for the base, and suddenly they are ringed away. Oh no! Oh no! What could have happened to our heroes? With this, SG-3 loses radio contact with SG-1, and then they see an Alkesh buzzing the gate. Oh no! Oh O'Neil no! sends a couple more SG teams who, along with SG-3, search for the missing flagship team to no avail. SG-1 is just gone. Back at the SGC, Dr. Lee's plant is growing out of control. Fortunately, it hasn't eaten anyone yet, so there's that. SG-3 returns to base and reports the bad news. Suddenly, a hologram of Ball. Is he wearing pants under that robe? We don't know. Ball tells the general that he has taken SG-1 captive. If the SGC wants them back, they must return Camulus to Ball. They have a day to make up their minds. Is that an Earth Day? Or an... Uh, I'm just trying to establish the proper parameters here, Better, Ball. Better not be a Jupiter Day. That, that's better not be a Jupiter... Um, maybe, actually, if it was a Jupiter... I don't know. It's 10 hours. That, well, that would not be really great. No. Uh, okay. The next day, Gilmore again informs General O'Neill about the agenda for that day. Camulus is brought in from wherever he was to the SGC. The plant is really getting out of control now. SG-1 is still missing, and the Amran ambassadors are really, really upset. Give him another 24 hours. It'll be fine. It'll, It'll be fine. fine. O'Neill talks with Camulus. Eventually, Camulus reveals that Ball wants him because he let slip about an ancient device he found. Camulus then gives the location of this ancient device to O'Neill, and the general sends SG-3 to find the device. And remarkably, their search reveals a zero-point module! Hooray! And it has nearly 50% of a charge on it. This could be exactly what Earth needs to defend itself. Hooray! Hooray! Unfortunately, that plant is causing mayhem, and it's getting into the walls and the ducts, and it's interfering with power things, and it knocks the main power to the whole base out. And pertinent to our story for right now, we cannot dial the gate. We can yep. receive calls, but we have no ability to make calls. So we would love to tell you that we can't tell you and talk to you, but, but we can't call you and tell you that we can't call you. Because that's how that works. That's a bummer. Later, Ball decides to dial the gate, and he blusters not unexpectedly. O'Neill mocks the system more. Do you dare mock me? Ball... You know I dare. Ball gives them one more day. One day more! One more Sorry. day. Dr. Lee has figured out how to destroy the angry plant. Gamma rays! 
which I say they missed a perfect opportunity to talk about how gamma rays can cause things to get very, very green and very, very angry, especially <laughs> since all of the lights were very, very green. But they missed it. Oh, oh well. With the plant taken care of, the base's power returns. Hooray! Hooray! O'Neill decides to send Camulus to Ball in exchange for his team. But this is halted when Dr. Lee relays new information about the discovered zero-point module. The gamma rays revealed that the ZPM was booby-trapped! Oh, no! Oh, yes. If they had plugged it into the ancient weapon in Antarctica, it would have destroyed the whole planet. Yikes! Yeah. Later, O'Neill hatches a new plan for Camulus to get back at Ball. O'Neill sends Camulus to Ball with the ZPM so that he can use it to destroy his enemy. With Ball now in custody of Camulus, O'Neill was hoping that SG-1 would be released. They weren't. Bummer. Yeah. In his office, O'Neill continues to write his letter to General Hammond. O'Neill is ready to resign his position as SGC commander. He's then called to the gate room. Colonel Reynolds of SG-3 is there with a whole bunch of base personnel, and they are all ready to support O'Neill in whatever decision he makes to rescue SG-1. O'Neill thanks them all profusely. Mm -hmm. As the day comes to a close, the general prepares to go home. But suddenly, the gate activates, and instead, the general rushes to the control room. SG-1 is dialed in. Good! They are in a firefight and with some of Ball's Jaffa. That's not so good. And they want the iris open so that they can get back home, which would be good. However, O'Neill doesn't want them to come through since they've been captured by the enemy and they have no way to know if the team has been compromised. Makes sense. Carter is confused. They haven't been captured by Ball or anybody else. They simply got themselves stuck in Anubis' secret lab. For three days! I hope they had snacks. They, they, they probably had at least a couple snacks. O'Neill makes the call and opens the iris and SG-1 escape through the gate to safety at the SGC. Hooray! Hooray! Unfortunately, they didn't find anything useful at the secret base. Boo. Boo. As the episode comes to a close, Carter tells the general that the tainted ZPM likely would have taken out the whole solar system. Good thing O'Neill didn't send the tainted ZPM with Camulus. Mark Gilmore informs O'Neill that he will be leaving soon. He was really there undercover by order of the president to do an audit on O'Neill himself. Of course, the general already knew this because General Hammond told him. Uh, they go to welcome President Hayes to the base. And on Jack O'Neill's desk in his office is the letter of resignation. And as the camera zooms in, we see it ending with, never mind, the end. The end. And so, dear friend Brent... Yeah. Zero hour. Yep. What'd you think? I don't know how I feel about this one. And it's because it had a lot of things going on. And that was central to the story. Right? The right. point was that there's a lot of things going on. Um, the point is that, you know, a day in the life of a general at the SGC is this stuff. Well, as it happens several days in the life of, 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 of a general. It's this stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's harrowing it's trivial it's annoying it's convoluted it's cunning it's banal it's you know it's all it's all this stuff all those stuff yep all this stuff and so you know that's of course part of the reason why the letter is getting written like i didn't think i could do this uh or no i mean i thought i could do this and i can't um you know 
And then, of course, everything sort of wraps up and then and then and then Jack O'Neill goes, yeah, actually, I can do this. So, you know, in one respect, it was it, it did seem like a um, it did seem like a note to the fandom. It did seem like a specific converse monologue, I guess is better to say, yeah, transitioning the character of Jack O'Neill into one of the authority of Brigadier General is you know it's a bumpy ride unless we explain some things right Mm -hmm. so let's have Mm -hmm. a story where where o'neill himself is doubting whether or not he can do this where you know he is obviously wanting to go through the gate he's obviously wanting to be out there uh with his team um but he's not he's here dealing with uh squabbling emissaries and uh, bunting that doesn't come in red, white, and blue, um, right? And also uh, trying to figure out how to best maneuver a situation where a system lord claims to have his team held captive, while also wanting uh, a system lord who claimed asylum back. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it was well woven in that regard. It was well it was. woven, and. Um, you know, having some things happen that were really fortuitous, like the only way to kill the overgrown plant is to use a particular kind of radiation, which happened to also then tip off the scientists that the ZPM was not the thing that they thought it was, which then revealed that it was actually booby-trapped, which, you know what I mean? Like, and 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 that whole, like, piece of the story was, I thought, pretty well done. I thought it was well done, um, you know. I don't know if Camulus will will respect the bold move of uh, O'Neill sending him through with a dummy, and now he's now he's like going to be eternally tortured by Baal. But you know, like that was that was clever, and uh, you know exactly the kind of gamble that you would make for an exchange of that kind, or certainly the kind of gamble that you would expect Jack O'Neill to make. Um, mm-hmm. I am a little bit. You know, there is a little like eye roll of the um, I can't remember the name. The and and what was the emissaries? The emissaries, whatever. They uh, they they accepting the fact that being locked up in a room for three days softened them up seemed way outside the realm of possibility. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I have uh, I have done a lot of work with people that would be emissaries, and that's not how they operate. They don't they don't take kindly to slights. Um, And but, you know, generally it was I thought it was I thought it was well done, honestly. But on the other other hand, other 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 hand, there was a lot going on. Uh, It was serving the purpose of the energy of the of the show of this episode. Uh, But, you know, there was like 16 things just zipping around. And it's not like they all like wrapped up in a way that was super duper tidy for the emissaries, for example. Like, you know, they 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 were a piece of the puzzle at the beginning. They were a mild laughing point about how Jack O'Neill is going to take care of business there at the second, you know, in 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 the first third. And then at the end of the episode, oh, by the way, that wrapped up nicely as in like, oh, and and therefore, you know, all is well. Uh, it felt like other elements were tying in a bit more tightly. And then that kind of leads to a bit of a criticism on my part. I do adore stories where all of these seemingly uh, unrelated things end up tying together to tell the story. Right. Uh, but this was 
on the face of it, it looked to be a story of a day in the life of a general at the SGC. Like it looked to be like, this is the kind of stuff that happens all the time. It did not look to be extraordinary, right? People were not, in no way was it being conveyed that this was um, kind of banana cakes, that this was unusual. If you have an unusual situation happening with several unrelated parts, but yet somehow all the unrelated parts seem to harmoniously tie in together to one central climax and then a resolution, that's delightful. But this kind of setup implies that every single day <laughs> there are there are 15 things all going in 16 different directions, which is really unusual, but somehow it manages to happen. And uh, yet then they then they coalesce and resolve like like this is commonplace. And that one felt a little bit outside that that felt like a step too far for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to I'm going to headcanon it just a step back and be like. You know, maybe this was a little bit uh, weird for the SGC, but it wasn't uncommon for this level of of craziness to be happening. That that it is not unusual for there to be sixteen different things to be taken care of all at one time, none of them seeming to go together, and you just got to do it. And that's the job of the general. And and Jack O'Neill managed to get through this pass with uh you know success and without you know, without ticking off too many people or at least ticking off the right people. And there you go. <laughs> yep. That's, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of the proof is in the pudding type of thing. So, you know, so yeah, so I, I am kind of feeling a little bit complex on this one. I, I, I don't know where I'm going to, I really don't know where I'm going to land as far as the Chevron rating is concerned, but, um, but that's where I'm at. So what about you? What did you, uh, what about you uh, for this episode? And then also uh, does watching it again, you know, knowing all of the details, does it somehow like allow things to click a little bit more tightly or is it just, you know, a, a what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a mad, mad, madcap, madcap thing. Uh, I, don't know. I got nothing. Okay. All what right, about you? But so a couple things. First of all, this is an episode that needs to happen. Yeah. Because as you mentioned, um, we have this, uh, we have a new transition in the life of the show. Yes. Our former lead guy is now taking a direct back seat to day-to-day -day operations. Yeah. Right? Um, he And then in story, we have then our hero, the colonel, being promoted to general. Uh, we needed an episode that has O'Neill, especially since O'Neill is not the type of guy that you would initially look at and says, that's general material. Right. Um, he needs to make that transition into it. So we have this episode that does that. We certainly have things that are played up for comedy. Um, uh, Gary Jones, Harriman's role in this is really played up for the comedy. Yes. Um, and, but it also makes sense because O'Neill, we already have established that he's not a especially strong detail person. Um, he's very good at, at you know strategy and tactics and even leading people and managing a thousand different things in a thousand different directions. Um, but holding on to all of those in that detail structure that a general needs to do is something that he's not used to. Mm -hmm. So we needed to see this episode do this. Um, as you said, you know, the, the, all of these extra things that are happening are things that have to happen uh, 
because we're showing the chaos of all of this stuff. And I suspect that this is not so much a day in the life of a general as it is a moment in the life of a general. Mm-hmm. There are times in my uh, job where I have a thousand different things happening, and I feel like even if they are unrelated, they're all happening right now, and I have to figure out how to balance these things. And it usually goes to a point of climax where it finally gets finished uh, or stops, depending on the situation, and then there is a time of uh, reduced activity, right? So it's Mm -hmm. not always running at 11. Sometimes it's just running at four or five and sometimes even less, you know. Uh, And this is one of those moments where, you know, he's clearly gearing up for the president of the United States to come and visit the facility. Uh, And this is presumably the first time that Hayes has been to the SGC. So it's a big deal. And so all of this stuff is happening in the midst of this, and he's trying to get all of this figured out. Um, and so I, that, that's kind of how I see this. Um, things are fortuitous that they that the gamma rays that fix one problem uh, reveal uh, the the booby trap of a different problem that he's dealing with all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, you know it it works well. Uh, the whole episode. Um, it's not a fast-paced episode. It's just kind of an episode that just kind of goes like this. You can really tell that they kind of phoned in. I mean, the storyline kind of phoned in any story about SG-1. Uh, you know, they were going to some planet to find some secret base of Anubis that Ball doesn't know about, um, and hopefully there's going to be cool stuff there. And they go there, and they disappear, and we don't see them for the rest of the episode until the very right. end. Right. And did they find anything? Nope. Uh, there is nothing important about that storyline whatsoever. The only thing it does, it gets them off stage so that we can focus on O'Neill dealing with all of this stuff. Yeah, stick a pin in that one as I'm realizing that that's actually a plot hole, but carry on. Um, it... it I don't know if it's a plot hole necessarily. It is. Do you want me to uh, get into it? It's so like in ahead. hostage negotiation. One of the first things you do is you verify whether or not the people have the hostages. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Show me that they're alive and you have them. Otherwise we're not talking. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but, uh, um, you know, so this focus was, I mean, the storyline was focused exclusively on O'Neill in this new yes. role. Um, it's not an exciting episode. Uh, I think overall it's well-written. Uh, you mentioned a plot hole. Uh, eh. I hadn't noticed that plot hole I, I'm because totally it sure. didn't it, matter. It's fine. it's fine. Exactly. Right. Uh, it, the, what, what matters is that O'Neill has to deal with a thousand different things at the same time. Right. The plant. The plant is a very convenient thing. Why... Just because it just creates some chaos. Um, Bill Lee, uh, uh, Bill Dow does a tremendous job in that role uh, yep. in, in playing that up for for the humor um, in it. Uh, it. But it's it's not a it's not an exciting episode. It's just an episode. Um, but I think it's one that that needs to happen uh, because otherwise, uh, you know, this is the episode that needed to happen so that we have legitimacy in looking at O'Neill 
as general and taking that seriously. Mm-hmm. Because every time we've seen him basically up until this point, he's been like, yep, I'm the general. I don't really know what this means, and I don't know how to do this job, and, and I'd rather be out there and doing that other stuff over there, but I'm still the general. So this is, you know, this is kind of who he is. Uh, yeah. And so we needed an episode where he uh, falls into that and, and gets into the, the flow of being the general and taking on that kind of responsibility uh, and leadership. Uh, and this is the episode. But it's also, I mean, w- what is it that, that O'Neill needs to learn how to do? It's not the major big, you know, ramification life decisions for people, people die or don't die. You know, we already know that he can do that. Mm-hmm. It's the day-to-day stuff that we need to see him do. And so this episode gives us those day-to-day things. Mm-hmm. It's not exciting. But it's not a bad episode. And I think it's an episode that we needed uh, in the series. Yep. Um, that, that's, that's it. Uh, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm it, not sure that there's a whole lot more that can be said. Uh, you know, like there's nothing about it. It, it, it did feel like, um, like a foundation episode. It almost, <laughs> frankly, it kind of felt like a pilot um, in a way. Uh, except that, you know, we have this deep rapport and this bountiful knowledge of the characters and the situation. So it's nothing like a pilot in that regard. But this this situation is so structurally foundational to what the story wants to do going forward that it kind of needed to be a like, OK, well, here is an introduction. Yeah, here is an introduction to General Jack, Jack O'Neill. Yep. I mean, this is what it was. This was an introduction to General Jack O'Neill. Um, you know, and and I think it's this is an episode that is designed intentionally to be a light, fluffy episode. It's not designed to make you think. It's not designed to make you stress out. Right? None right. of these problems make me as an as a watcher of this episode feel like, oh no, how are they going to get out of this situation? Uh, I'm just like. I'm, I'm going to go along for the ride um, because the point of this episode is not how do I get out of the situation? It's how does O'Neill navigate this stuff? Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Um, you know, so did I ever once feel that, that SG one was in jeopardy? No, right. I appreciate that inside the story, there was a great feeling of SG one is in jeopardy and I went with it, but I didn't feel that they were in jeopardy. Did I ever once feel that the base was going to have a problem, serious problem with this plant? Nope. Yeah. Do I recognize that within the story, the plant doing what the plant did was a serious problem? Yep. Mm-hmm. But I just went with it because the point is just simply to watch this character navigate this stuff. The point is not, oh my gosh, here's a catastrophic event and now we've got to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, so... It's just, it, it, it's, here it is. Yep. That's it. That's all. Yep. That's it. Okay. Well, you said earlier that you weren't certain how many chevrons you were going to give this episode. Yeah. I can appreciate that because I'm honestly with you. I'm not 100% certain where I want to put this episode in terms of chevrons, but it is also that time. Yeah. Where you have to make a decision <laughs> on the chevron. <laughs> I'm laughing because, like, I think we did maybe, did we do 10 minutes of analysis? 
did we do 15 i I mean like it wasn't long we I think maybe got 15 in there maybe <laughs> oh my gosh um I, and i think that that is um strictly speaking i think that's a strike against it um i don't for one second doubt the necessity of this episode and i see what it's doing and it did it well and um and i enjoyed watching it and so all of those things would lead towards higher chevrons Mm -hmm. uh that it did seem a little bit beyond the realm of possibility that uh having a scientist recommend that an entire level get closed off and their spores getting transmitted in the ventilation system is like a you know another day in the office that felt a little stretchy even though it was supposed to go like that uh locking up a couple of uh, emissaries into a room until they soften up felt a little stretchy even though i was supposed to go with it um the grand bluff was great um and the resolution of where SG-1... Yeah, the Grand Bluff on both sides was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Ball sides and on, on O'Neill's side. Uh, and the resolution of where SG-1 was at was fine. It was fine. Um, I thought it was fine. And it, and it did a great job with having a million stories going in a million different directions. And then it all tied, tying up. Like That's all great. And yet, uh, I think I'm going to give this one a four out of seven. Which is, I think, exactly where I need to be with this one. Um, if it came on and I, and I was just flipping through channels, would I watch it again? Probably. Yeah, I probably would. Um, it's not that boring, but on the other hand, if, uh, I were flipping through channels and this was on, but just about anything else that I wanted to watch was also on, I would probably watch the something else. Right. So, uh, you know, it's really not that, 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 that captivating. So, um, you know, I, I kind of feel a little bad for giving it a four, but that's where I'm at. So uh, four out of seven for me. What about you? How many do you give this? Uh, you know, I I concur, frankly, with pretty much everything you just said. Yeah. Right? Um. It, it it it's it's done well. The episode is yeah. done well. Yes. And if you recognize that its purpose is to do this certain thing with a certain character, and it does that, it succeeds. Right, and it's acted well, and the effects are cool, and blah, blah, all of that stuff. What you know, um, but it's also just kind of nothing substantive happens in this episode. Right. Um, if you didn't have this episode, you wouldn't miss anything other than a little bit of character development, which is necessary. But uh, so you know, I, I think I'm going to, I was, I was debating whether to go straight down the middle of the road with the three and a half. Right. Or, or to, you know, shift it. I think to go less than three and a half is unfair. Uh, to go less than the 50% mark would be unfair to this episode. It's yeah, better than that. that. Yeah. Um, but it's not an episode that draws me in. I'm like, oh, it's zero hour. Yes. Right. So I think, I, I think I'm going to, uh, Mimic your four and give this also four Chevron. So I'm going to do something that I don't normally do, but okay. because we haven't released this to the public and I've been thinking about it, I'm actually going to change my score. Okay. And here's why. Okay. Because this episode did give me delight in watching, uh, finally, Walter Harriman have a lot of screen time, a lot of lines, and finally his name. So I'm going to give it a plus one. I'm going to give it a five. Ooh. So do you want me to mark that as just yes, simply a five? Yes, I want five? you as a five, as a five. Okay. I'm changing my, I'm changing it from a four to a five, but the reason why is that I, is that the story was fine. It was fine. It was fine for the reasons that I said, fine. Um, but I did get 
an abnormally large amount of delight for watching this character who at the very beginning just stared at a computer monitor and said encoding, you know, Chevron three encoded. You know what I mean? Like that was what he did at the beginning now into being a character that has a lot going on and absolutely had a radar reference. And I don't know, by no means am I saying that my take that he is like the radar of the show was original because it wasn't because obviously you can see it right here. Uh, I was tickled with all of those callbacks. Like, yes, yes, he's the radar of this base. And so, so that was a lot of fun. So I'm definitely giving it a plus one for that. So five out of seven for me. Okay. So do you want to gives it a five, and I'll give it a wanna, four. Do you, I was going to say stick to you. with my four. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh. Well, I think it is time now for our predictions. I'm going to the twitters. Okay, as you go to the Twitters, I'm going to go to the Facebooks. All right, I am in the Twitters. I'm in the Twitters. Oh, wait, and then it's in Reader View, which gives me nothing, but I want. Okay, okay, here we go. We've got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. Something, something, Seymour reference, something. I don't know. I got nothing. Was sick yesterday from the latest COVID booster. Yeah, I also was taken out by that one. Only at about 85% right now, so can't think of anything clever. I'll be ready next week, though. See you, see you then. <laughs> I hope you feel better soon, Kevin. When did you write that? 13 hours ago. Maybe you're feeling better now. So I hope so. Yes. Thanks for writing in, though. All right. Are we ready for the Facebooks? Yes. We start with Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, Gary Jones, Walter, was 100% trying to hold back a laugh at the start, and O'Neill clearly making good impressions in his new post. Oops. Walter doesn't think so. Yeah, oh well. <laughs> uh, but we have a ZPM now uh, and a random B story about the little base of horrors. Feed me. Little base. Little, little base, base of horrors. Of horrors. <laughs> when will these stories merge? Oh, it's when the rest of the episode is filmed under green lights. Okay, cool. Mm. Oh, wait. Now it's back to normal. But O'Neill resigned? Am I doing the synopsis now? Uh, that's an idea. You could get the <laughs> listeners to write the synopsis. For <laughs> Maybe. Mm. You should put a pin in that one. Uh, fun <laughs> fact, Sean says, the town Camulodunum, now yes. Colchester in Essex, UK, may have been named after Camulus yeah. and is the conjectured basis for the legendary city of Camelot. Oh, hey, fun. Well, there you go. Fun. Uh, they should ask these questions when they meet a Guawuld. Quiz them to see if history <laughs> is right. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but they're Guawuld. The Guawuld will probably do, like give false answers, so you can't trust it. That's true. That's true. Check your sources. So Sean says, I like this episode and rate it six. Okay. I think, I think it's a six all around, actually. Oh, no, not quite. But yeah, I'm glad you liked it. That's good. Yeah. All right. Jen says. Hi, Jen. Uh, what does a day for the general, uh, what does a day for the general look like? Would he have signed up for it if he knew what he was uh, heading his way? I'm not sure, and neither is Jack. He's never been so close to finally considering retirement, almost silent quitting, for more than a few times during our newest adventure. Mm-hmm. Jack's bound to base duty while his former teammates with new leader Colonel Samantha Carter are on their way to fun new adventures. Jack has to deal with 
some major FOMO, that is, fear of missing out, Mm -hmm. whilst battling his own demons on base. At least the plants are coming along nicely. (laughs) It's one of those special SG-1 episodes where you just get comfortable and enjoy the ride without thinking about it too much. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I love that we get a glimpse of what General Hammond had to put up with in the years prior. Jack's resignation letter is basically a love letter to Hammond and a reminder to appreciate the things you have before they are gone. Mm -hmm. Whoa, that's deep. (laughs) On a lighter note, Jack finally takes his new position seriously and hands over the leadership of the flagship team to Samantha. Acceptance has set in, and the transformation that started with New Order is now complete. Mm -hmm. I truly enjoyed Zero Hour, though there is not much plot progression. It was simply fun to watch. Six chevrons from me. I think Zach and Brent will also like the episode. Jack was taught a lesson, which is something that Brent might appreciate, after Jack has been too aloof about his new task this episode. Wild guessing, five chevrons from Brent and Mm -hmm. six from Zach. Okay. Not okay. quite, but there you go. Not quite. Yeah. Uh, we have Justin. Hi, Justin. Justin says, longing for the day when he could be this. See picture again. Um, and we have a colonel of corn with an Air Force hat. Yeah, he wants to be a colonel again. He wants to be a colonel again. <laughs> <sighs> Longing for the day when he could be corn. Well, you know, to each his own. You know, uh, I should I should specify. I've learned that uh, I was listening to a podcast and somebody from England said corn and somebody from the United States was like, oh, weird. And I was realizing that the person from England was talking about uh, barley, probably maybe wheat. And the person from the U.S. was thinking about maize. And that's why that the huh weird was coming through, because like there was an awful lot of confusion about what uh, <laughs> what they're actually talking about. So uh, he wants to be maize again. He doesn't want to be confusing. He doesn't want to go around in circles. He wants to be maize so a corn maze is really just a maize maze it's maize maze and i am stunned that i haven't found the amazing maize maze yet but i it, it's got to exist uh, there has to be an amazing maize maze if it doesn't exist then that zach we need to buy a farm <laughs> you know <laughs> we are good at many things i don't know if we would make good farmers <laughs> oh uh, yeah we would i mean we've got connections and also i grew up on a farm well, no, I'm, I'm not saying we don't have connections. I'm just saying that I would be very good at getting somebody else to farm. Yeah, I, I, I left. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> All right. We're going to get back to Justin's message yes. here. Jack knows that he doesn't know Jack about filling Hammond's shoes. Mm-hmm. Jack does what only Jack can do. The jokes are snarky, but not. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Justin predicts that both of us will give this eight chevrons. What? <laughs> okay. Is that where is that where he leaves off? That's, that's the end. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he does make a parenthetical at the end. You know, it's a corn kernel, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my. God. Gosh, um, I can't tell if Justin's being serious or not. Probably not. Maybe he is. I don't know. You know, that's, I that's, can't tell most of the time whether Justin is being serious or not. That's exactly the charm. That's exactly right. Like, which direction? Okay, he's zigging. 
But is he actually going that way? No, it's just an <laughs> illusion. He's over here. <laughs> is he zigging so that he can zag later and get a different angle at things? Or is he zigging because that's the direction he really wants to go? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I don't know. No, no, I did not give it eight chevrons. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Justin. You are the weakest link. <laughs> we have Kevin next. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. I love, love, love this episode. Wow, when people okay. ask why I love season eight, this is one of the episodes I think of. There's others too, but this one is great. And there was so much ball being ball. We've seen ball before, but I feel like this is our first major look at him. Seeing the kind of threat he can pose now. While I was watching after work, I jotted down a few notes. Mm-hmm. Number one, we get to see Walter really representing his MASH counterpart. Yes. Number two, the device to get into the Anubis base reminds me of the armband device from Upgrades. I can see what you're saying oh, yeah. there, but it's actually yeah. a lot smaller than that one. Those armbands from Upgrades was actually like took up the full uh, uh, forearm, and this is just like a half forearm type of mine. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. He's just saying. And there's that. Okay. Uh, moving on. They left Anubis on that frozen planet only a week ago. They should go back and ask him if he left anything cool behind. <laughs> 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 There's nothing that could go wrong with that. Nothing at all. Number four. This is definitely a different kind of episode. A slice of life episode. Really makes you appreciate what General Hammond had to deal with that we never saw. And we get to see now how General O'Neill is adapting. Number five. How did SG-3 not notice a freaking Alkish incoming until it was right on top of them? Yeah, th yeah. Those are huge ships! I expect more from the number three SG team. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Just disappointed. Number six. I love the reference to an Earth Day. Yep. Number seven. It's great to have such an O'Neill-focused episode with all the O'Neill-isms included. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a plant. Um, it's a plant. <laughs> I, I love that he does that with the magnifying glass. Yes. Yes. Pretty consistently, too. Consistently. All right, Kevin concludes with this. Mm-hmm. Hmm, this is a hard one to guess. I'm willing to guess that Zach likes this one, but what about Brent? He's a self-proclaimed agent of chaos. Yes, he I could am. have hated it. He gave Bane a seven. Can I expect anything rational from such a <laughs> madman? I <know>. Well, <laughs> I'm going to take a stab in the dark and guess a six from both. Yeah. See you both next week in Atlantis. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Not that far off, honestly, no. but uh, not quite. Nope. All right. And now we have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Rowan says, when was the last time we had an O'Neill episode? He still hasn't gotten the hang of this whole general thing, but fortunately, good old Walter Chevron encoded Harriman is lending a hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's really on top of things, managing O'Neill's schedule, sorting out the bunting, unfortunately not Parado, and introducing him to his new aide. Walter is very, very glad to be handing over some of his general sitting duties to the new guy. In the A plot, SG-1 wants to go check out an A new base that Ball definitely doesn't know about. What do you mean they have to wait? This is their show! <laughs> it's in the title. <laughs> We're SG-1! 
What do you mean it's not about SG-1? In the B-plot, Dr. Lee is growing an alien plant in, quote, controlled conditions, close quote, that don't seem to include any safety measures. Uh-huh. What if it's, what if it's a triffid? Or that yes. plant from Star Trek, the original series, that makes everyone happy and healthy, and that's bad for some reason? Or <laughs> what if it grows out of control and shuts down the whole base? Like, No, that'd just be silly. <laughs> Come on. In the C-plot, the SGC are hosting negotiations for a territorial dispute between two representatives from the planet Amway? Uh, I, it's not going well, but O'Neill has a <laughs> diplomatic solution he thinks just might work, or at least means we won't have to hear from those guys again for the rest of the episode. Yep. Back yep. in the A-plot, surprise ball knows about Anubis' old hangout after all. He says he's got SG-1 and offers to exchange them for chamomile? Calamine? <laughs> Camulus! He knows where there's an ancient device, but he couldn't get it to work because the battery casing wasn't shut properly or something. Uh, something. Hey, there's a ZPM there, and it still has a charge. Things are looking up. Power is out on the base thanks to the B-plot, but they're still working on plan on a plan to rescue SG-1. What about chemical warfare? That could be fun, and definitely isn't a war crime prohibited by the Chemical Weapons Convention of 1997. That's only on Earth. Fair enough. Oh, or O'Neill could resign and make this whole thing someone else's problem. That's a pretty tempting option right now. Turns out old Camelass booby-trapped the ZPM, and using it would have destroyed the entire solar system. Cool. We're willing to overlook that if Cammy will take out Ball for us. We'll, we're willing to overlook that if Cammy will take out Ball for us. Uh-huh. We'll just give him back his powerful explosive device and send him on his way. Woohoo! Yep. But Ball didn't even have SG-1. Our heroes spent the whole episode in an escape room and didn't even come home with any fun <laughs> prizes. Nope. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, better luck next time. Oh. And the performance reviews O'Neill has been putting off? Turns out he got one, too. He passed! Hooray! Does this mean he gets a real aid next week? And whatever happened with Teal'c's apartment? Can we get some follow-up on that? Yeah. Come on. Is Murray homeless? This is a complicated one, but it's pretty good. Brent and Zach will both give it a 5. This Ooh. episode has an IMDb rating of 8.0, which is 5 chevrons, putting it in the top half of Stargate episodes. Dang! Super close. Very close, Rowan. Well Very done. Close. And finally, uh, I have an email uh-huh. from David. Hi, David. David has an incoming attempt at humor bias buffer. Yeah. I thought it was funny-ish. Ish. Dear anyway. Zach and Brent, this, this yeah. looks serious. Oh, okay. All right. It is with great regret that I must inform you that I will be resigning my duties as your quasi-executive <gasps> running producer of Quasi. I have enjoyed the last three years I've spent working in the background of WTTS, keeping you on schedule, arranging interviews, fiddling with the website, and producing promos. Yeah. I have also very much enjoyed the time I've spent recording podcast episodes with you, including The Other Side of the Gate, a Walking Through the Stargate podcast. Remember that one, Zach? Uh, (laughs) Moving on. My time spent with you will make for a wonderful addition to my resume. However... I am no longer able to commit my time that is needed as your quasi-executive show producing of Quasi. Yeah. Uh, My work and family demands on my time have increased of late. 
with one child having moved out and the other one on his way out. Also, yeah. as someone who works from home primarily, the time required to sleep in as late as possible, but still be at work on time, and the commute home no longer allow me to work the almost 90 minutes I spend on the WTTS podcast on a normal week. Yeah. As my numerous and demanding pets remind me, they can't feed themselves. No. I will continue to listen to the WTTS podcast as often as you put it out, but you can consider my resignation effective as soon as you finish reading this email. The uh-huh. promo that you will be watching shortly will be my last. I wish you luck in finding someone to fill my sizable shoes. They're yeah. size 13 US. Oh, okay. That was easier than I thought. Okay. Never mind. Oh, good. <laughs> I did find it a little bit curious that the episode ended with like the intonation that he was going to send that letter with that. Never mind. It's that, you know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to just flat out being like, I guess I'm not writing this letter. Like that was a little bit weird. So, you know. So, so David, I want you to know that as I was reading this letter, my blood pressure actively went up. For real? Like, I'm like, I'm hoping this is just a bit and a gag, and he's going to say never mind at the end. But he I'm like, what if he doesn't? wouldn't encoding buffer bias at the front of it. I, I You know, I I was, I, I had more heart palpitations from this letter than I did from the episode. <laughs> <laughs> he told an incoming attempt at humor. It was, it was right there at the front. <laughs> and this is why I stick with my Chevron rating. <laughs> David has a prediction, by the way. He does. Okay, oh, yeah, good. Zero hour. Fun. Six Chevrons all around. No, See you next no, no, week no. when we do the thing. When we do the thing. <laughs> oh, thanks, David. <laughs> okay, and and you know, just just for a a kind of a a look under the hood, if you will, for those of you who uh, are listening right now, um, David typically on Friday sends uh, Brent and me a reminder via a text message, usually through some form of GIF and or GIF, depending yes. on how you decide to cut your peanut butter. HIF. HIF. We're going to go with HIF. That's all. That's how I've always done it. Ish. Yep. Uh, and he said that, uh, uh, well, anyway, th- this, this most recent uh, set of HIFs, was uh, <laughs> quite humorous where he's asking, well, what are you waiting for? Let's see him. And I show him a hiff of uh, pants that unzip into shorts. And yep. and and, da- and Brent then produces a hiff of somebody dancing around in a banana costume saying, yeah. I'm a banana. Yeah, that's um, right. And, and, and then David just, you know, puts his hand into, or his forehead into his <laughs> hand and goes... Oh, dear God. Just shakes his head like uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Yep, that's right. Yep, yep. So, and, th- and then and then we had a series of, of cat pictures. Yes. Uh, some of which, were, most of which were relatively serious. One of them uh, was a hiff of something kind of disturbing. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and then uh, I did show a cute picture of my cat with her uh, Halloween costume this year. She is a chicken. She's, She's a, chicken. a chicken. Cat hat on her head and the fact that she stayed still long enough for me to get a picture is impressive a chicken it's, it's a chicken cat it's chicken cat you know we yep. call her our chicken you know so there you go it makes sense there you go all right 
Well, dear listeners, thank you very much for your predictions. Uh, yes, we appreciate thank them you. every week. Uh, next week, Brent. Yes. We are talking about a, the Stargate Atlantis episode 38 minutes. Uh huh. Okay. And so I am asking you, uh, with your wise prognosticating prognostications, what 38 minutes is all about. All right. Okay. 38 minutes. All right. Okay. Next time on Stargate Atlantis, the Atlantis team. No, I got to think of something different, right? Because I do the SG-1 team. Did I say our friends last time? I think so, too. I don't remember what you said last time. And I got and I, and I can't have that. That that voice was a little bit too much. So let's let's see here. Next time on Stargate Atlantis, Holy our smokes. friends. Wait, what? That's a voice. That's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see if I can keep it going then. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. I apologize. That's okay. All right. Next time on Stargate Atlantis, our friends are trying to figure out how to make the city go. And in doing so, they find that when they activate the gates, something peculiar seems to be happening. Whereas last time we had the disembodied spirit of some half-ascended monster creature roam in the halls, this time we have a robot. That's right. And Robot shows up and says, hello, my name is 30. Wow. It's named 30. There must have been 29 prior, is there? Yes, there have been 29 iterations prior. I am iteration 30. Oh, very interesting. What can you do, 30? I can guide you through the base and the city and make you understand what all of these things do. Oh, that's so convenient, 30. Then let us go. And so they go here and they learn that and they go there and they learn this. It's magnificent. But then they discover that there's a problem. You see, they've been tottering around the city this whole time trying to find themselves enjoyments and peculiarities. But somehow they are able to discern that time seems to be standing still. Oh, no. Yes, indeed. They seem to have not had any time pass at all. What could oh, be happening? My. As they are trying to figure out this problem, 30 comes by and says, I think I may have some evidence to provide that may be conclusive in determining the nature of your situation. By all means, 30, tell us. It is because I eat minutes. Excuse me? Yes, I eat minutes. You see... I have a hunger for time, and when I am active, time around me stops. I'm very sorry, but it is true. Join us as the team tries to find out how on earth you can get away when 38 minutes. <laughs> how, how'd, you, how'd you like that one? <laughs> I think I might have gotten the laugh that, that, that I'm not sure about that laugh there. <laughs> It got caught in my throat. Uh -huh. <laughs> I choked on it. Thirty-eight minutes. So we're we gonna have uh, we're we gonna have a robot named Thirty who's eating minutes. Um, sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was convenient. <laughs> I'm surprised I got it right. <laughs> you know, just 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 so we're clear, when I say yes, I mean no. Oh, okay. You didn't get it right at all. You you totally whiffed. I I you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now I'm back to like correct. You know, I do say, and that. But oh, okay. I mean, I actually okay. do do say that. You know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Shall we watch the promo that the guy who almost quit made for us? <laughs> yes. Let's do that. Okay. I'm going to hit play now. Next time on Stargate Atlantis, mm -hmm. on a routine reconnaissance mission, things go from bad 
to worse. That's a big crater. That's a big crater. It's moving down there. It's uh -oh. great. Uh oh. Bang, bang, bang. Oh. Better get out of there. Fire. And then the situation is made even worse. Get this damn thing off me. Until the unthinkable happens. He gets stuck. And we have less than 38 minutes. Hold on, why 38 minutes? Because that's the maximum amount of time a Stargate can remain open in non-relativistic conditions. It's all next time uh -huh. on Stargate uh -oh. Atlantis. What I'm trying to say is if you don't get this damn thing off me, I've even less time than you do. Okay. Whoa. That's gonna be that's 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 that looks intense. How are they gonna get a spaceship to move without any any like that's yeah, and how'd they end up in that situation in the first place? Well, time will tell. And by time I mean next week. So like we don't have a 30 who's eating minutes. No. Um and so we'll just have to wait until next week when we watch this episode and then talk about it. And then we'll learn about how they try to get themselves out of that situation. Yeah. And how they got into that situation in the first place. Yeah. Indeed, that looks tense. It does. It looks it looks like an episode of Atlantis. Yes, it does. And we will talk about it next time. Yes, okay. All right. So thank you very much for listening. Tell us what you think about all of this stuff. If we totally missed something, let us know. Email us at walkingthroughstargate.gmail.com or talk to us on Twitter at Stargate Walking or Facebook, the Discords, all of the things. All the things. And as soon as we figure out how things are adapting and growing and developing from Patreon, we will definitely let you know. And until oh, yeah. then, the Patreon still exists, so go there and sign up if you want. Sure. <laughs> At this stage, I'm like, mm, uh, eh, how about that? Well, we'll figure something out. Don't with worry. all of that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs> <laughs>